0: You're listening to audio from Grove Park Baptist Church. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.groveparkchurch.net. When we enter the text in Zechariah chapter number 1 this morning, it is February the 15th, 519. And in the course of one night, God sends a series of nine visions Zechariah that speak to those who are hard at work and have been for several months on rebuilding the temple now we have no written explanation of why these nine visions were sent at this time and place. I suspect though that they were God's response to the stirrings of some folks of the same ilk as those troublemakers who had stopped the rebuilding of the temple 16 years before. For a moment, just notice Ezra chapter number, excuse me, chapter number five, verse one. Now the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Ido, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Yeshua, the son of Jehozadak, arose and began to rebuild the house of God that is in Jerusalem, and the prophets of God were with them, supporting them. At the same time, Tatnai, the governor of the province beyond the river, and Shethar Bozani and their associates came to them and spoke to them, thus, who gave you a decree to build this house and to finish this structure? They also asked them this, what are the names of the men who are building this building? But the eye of their God was on the elders of the Jews and they did not stop them until the report should reach Darius and then an answer be returned by letter concerning it. Here the people of Israel are hard at work when some come up and say, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? You're not supposed to be doing this trying to throw them off course. They've heard the word of God the children of Israel have. They have responded to the word as it has come through Haggai and Zechariah. And now here's a group trying to discourage them by writing off to Darius. Next week, we will be having a covenant renewal service in which after spending three weeks prior in prayer and consideration of what God is saying to us, we will individually return the insert that has been in our worship folders these last three weeks as we recommit and renew ourselves to the task of rebuilding God's outpost to Alamance County here at Grove Park. It may be as you have felt the Spirit's nudge to be better, stronger, and bolder in one of the four focus areas that you have heard some discouragement in your heart as well. Maybe that discouragement has said, you can't do that. You lack the skills to do that. Maybe that discouragement has whispered, you know, there's, there's really no use even trying this. Maybe that voice has said, you're not good enough to serve in that way. Maybe what you keep hearing is that, that voice saying, encounter to what the Spirit is saying to you. You know, you're going to believe this and you're going to get out there on the end of that limb and it's going to break or you're going to fall off to these and countless other things that could be seeking to knock us off course this morning the encouragement of Zechariah's visions speak to us so let's see how they encourage us first god is reminding us that he is passionate about his people and desires their good. Notice Zechariah 1, 13 through 17. And the Lord answered gracious and comforting words to the angel who talked with me. So the angel who talked with me said to me, cry out, thus says the Lord of hosts, I am exceedingly jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion, and I am exceedingly angry with the nations that are at ease. For while I was angry but a little, They furthered the disaster. Therefore, thus says the Lord, I have returned to Jerusalem with mercy. My house shall be built in it, declares the Lord of hosts, and the measuring line shall be stretched out over Jerusalem. Cry out again, thus says the Lord of hosts, my city shall again overflow with prosperity, and the Lord will again comfort Zion and again choose Jerusalem. Did you notice that? that God is exceedingly jealous about his people, that he's so passionate that he is exceedingly angry, that all these other nations that are gathered around don't seem to be caring at all that Israel is struggling. They don't seem to care at all that that the temple of God is is a heap, that there's no walls around Jerusalem, that they are weak and, and powerless. There seems to be no one caring, but God does. Indeed, if you were to go down to verse number eight of chapter two, you would find, for thus said the Lord of hosts, after his glory sent me to the nations who plundered you, for he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. Whoa. God said he's so passionate that the children of Israel, his people, or the apple of his eye. Remember back over in Ezra earlier, he is, the scripture says that the eye of the Lord was upon them as they continued to work. Beloved, God is passionate for his people. He is passionate about everything that they do and he comes to them because of his passion and he desires his people to prosper. Look at Zechariah chapter number 2. Verse 3 and 4. And behold, the angel who talked with me came forward, and another angel came forward to meet him and said to him, Run, say to that young man, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as villages without walls because of the multitude of people and livestock in it. In other words, this place is going to prosper. Prosper. It's going to prosper, and it's, not even, it's going to be able to grow outside of its walls. It's going to be so big, so monstrous. Maybe not monstrous is a good word, but you understand what I'm saying. And it all starts back with one spot. And what is that spot? That God is passionate about his people. God has not forgotten. The extent of his passion, beloved, if we still question it, is proven in the fact that he sent his son to do that which you and I cannot do, to free us from evermore, from the power of sin in our lives. You know what? In knowing the passion of God, it's my firm belief this morning that God has not forgotten about Grove Park. We may think he has, but he hasn't forgotten about us. And I believe it's his fervent desire to manifest himself in our lives as never before. Ultimately, though, we must ask ourselves, are we as passionate about God as he is passionate about us? Now, some of us this morning may be running low on passion because all that we can ever see is the bad that we have done or are doing, and think to ourselves that God could never use us, so why be passionate about Him? Some part of me believes that the pointedness of Zechariah's third vision is because the person the vision is addressed to feels the same way. Notice Zechariah chapter 3. Verse 1, then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments and the angel said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. Satan is standing ready to accuse Joshua, who is trying to lead the children of Israel into rebuilding the temple of all sorts of things that Joshua has clearly done. You say, How do we know Joshua has clearly done it? Well, he's standing there in filthy garments. Certainly that seems to prove that he is guilty. But isn't it interesting this morning that just as Satan is about to accuse, God sins and takes away those filthy garments and dresses him in pure vestments. Beloved, let us not forget this morning that it is Satan's job to undermine our vitality and our commitment using the things that you and I have done previously to throw us off track. Yet when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, all that is passed away. Our filthy rags as Joshua's are gone and we are clothed in the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. When God looks at us, he doesn't see what you and I have done wrong. He sees his son and the gift of salvation surrounding us in fact if you were to read further down into verse 8 of chapter number 3 zachariah will speak of this imputed imputed righteousness when he foretells that god will send the branch who will take away all iniquity in a single day and we know that single day to be at calvary Furthermore, in chapter number 5, there will be two visions in which God not only purifies his people from unrighteousness, but removes wickedness from their presence. Some of you today may be saying you're simply not good enough and you are disqualified based off of what, God, what you have already done in your life And your task today and my task is always to remember that through the cross, God has secured, continues to secure, and will forever secure our victory over sin. He is our sure defender in whom we can put our trust. For through the righteousness of Christ, we can always be good enough. Always be good enough to the task he's calling us to. Beloved, I want you to think about it in these terms. Remember that one of the names of Jesus is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And you may be hearing all sorts of whispers in your mind about what you can't do, what you have done, what you may be doing, and how you're not good enough you hear those whispers from the enemy. So I want you to remember the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And I want you to remember that the roar of the Lion over your life, that you are His, drowns out anything that could be whispered otherwise in your ear unless you fail to listen to the roar of the lion. Now, I realize this morning that some of us are here and we're very passionate about God. We exult in the gift of salvation that He has given to us, and yet the simple fact of the matter is that we are tired. We have been faithful soldiers in God's army. We have taken the difficult assignments when no one else has. We have kept watch and prayed in the darkest hours before dawn and now we understand what God is calling us to and it's going to take a lot to accomplish and we just simply don't think we have it in us. Maybe this morning we are thinking something else. Maybe we're thinking I've done my part now someone else can do it. And so it is helpful for us to remember something that I believe God is gently reminding the children of Israel here in the text this morning. In Zechariah chapter number 4, verse 6, he says, Then he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the top stone amid shouts of grace, grace to it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of of Zerubbabel. Let's be clear this morning, beloved. There is no power of ours to rebuild. There is no might of ours to rebuild. There is nothing that you and I can do for God that will be any way sort of amazing or awe inspiring in our own power. And hence why God says, not by might nor by power but by my spirit whatever it is that God is calling us to through his spirit working in us we can and will accomplish and the question is this morning do we actually believe God can do it do we actually in our hearts this morning believe that his spirit is powerful enough to breathe life once more Into Grove Park? Our answer should be yes. The same spirit that breathed life into Adam, the same spirit that quickened the valley of dry bones. In Ezekiel, the same spirit that penetrated into a bar tomb that first Easter morning and restored life to the Lord of glory, the same spirit that called each of us to salvation and freed us from sin is the same spirit that right now God stands ready to send, to blow through Grove Park to accomplish what God is calling us to. The same vitality the same quickening. Maybe, though, I'm wrong in how I say that. Maybe I should say the same spirit that is already blowing through Grove Park. For it's important for us to note this morning... That throughout these nine visions of Zechariah and through the previous prophecies of Haggai that we've already looked at, God speaks as if the temple is already completed, that the work to rebuild is already done. Notice in verse number nine of chapter four again the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house, his hands shall also complete it. In other words, it's done it's done in, in in verse 2 in chapter 2 verse 13 he says be silent all flesh before the lord for he has roused himself from his holy dwelling in other words god is at work indeed if you were to go over the, the eighth and ninth visions in chapter number 6 god declares that his work is done to the point of his sovereignty ruling over all the world As I talk with various folks here at Grove Park, they tell me they are feeling the fresh wind of the Spirit blow. The question becomes, though, for us today is will we let it continue? Will we rise up in the power of the Spirit and say without hesitation, I believe God? I believe God. I believe him when he says he's passionate about me. I believe him when he says that he desires what is best for me. That I am truly forgiven and set free from the bonds of sin. I believe God when he says he will never leave me nor forsake me. That he will not leave me dangling out on the end of a limb or cut it off no, I believe what God says, that he will empower me through his spirit to be better, to be stronger, and to be bolder. I believe it to the point that I will do what he is calling me to do. Beloved, Zechariah 6.15 tells us that we, when we believe him and obey what he is calling us to, he will accomplish in us all these things. It's just really dependent upon whether or not we'll believe him. Zechariah nine again reminds us that what God wants to do in us is so great that it will confound the world to show his might. Do you believe that today? Do you? I don't know about you, but throughout a lot of my life, I've been in a position of being an underdog. I went to the smallest high school in our county, the the end of the county that everybody thought was a bunch of rednecks and hayseeds, only because we had the greatest FFA chapter in North Carolina. They didn't think we knew much. They certainly didn't think we were very smart. And so it was with great pride that those of us at Richlands did what we did. Going off in my life, in fact, off to Chapel Hill. We've sent people to Harvard. We've sent people everywhere. And in, this, in the center of it all is, is this thought that we're just gonna confound the world and show them everybody what we can do. Beloved, I'm past the point of my life trying to prove to others what's in me. I am not past the point of my life, though, where I want to do great and unimaginable things to prove just how great God is and to prove just how much he can work within me That he can confound me and that he can confound others because, in doing that, I understand something. I understand that somehow, somewhere along the way, somebody might be able to say, if God did it in him, he can do it in me. And so we realize that the task that God is calling us to is not simply about Grove Park. It's about showing the countless other churches across our nation that God has not forgotten them and that God still has work for them to do and God still wants them to be vibrant and vivacious. And He wants to pour into them things that they have not even room to hold. Do you know how bad it is right now in America? It's so bad in America that that theologians and, and scholars refer to this time in our nation's history as post Christian America. In other words, the church is a dead subject to the country at large. I personally just want to say to all the historians you're wrong. We just took a breather. I want to say to all of Alamance County, you may think Grove Park's been written off, but no, we just took a breather. We're ready to go now. We're gonna go in the power of God. We're gonna show you all how great he is. And the question is simply, do we believe he'll do what he says he'll do? You and I have decisions to make. We have decisions to make about whether or not God is big. I tell people all the time that Eliza is uh, the one who made the better grades in seminary. And it's true. She's also the one in our house that has the most faith. Because sometimes... I'll come home and I'll be sitting there and I'll be a quivering mass saying I just don't know how we're going to pull this off. I just don't know how we're going to pull this off. And this, is, this has been for the totality of our marriage. I have said that about some issue facing the church that we currently served at the time. I don't know how we're going to pull this off. And she says the same thing to me. Mark, just how big is God. Grove Park just how big is God how big is he in your life is he big enough that when you sit down this week to fill out that sheet of paper in your, in your bulletin right now, you're going to believe him for big things. You're going to believe him for a witness unlike anything since Billy Graham walked the face of the earth. And you say, I'm just me. Well, guess what? I'm just me too. But God is bigger than me. And if I get out of the way and let him work in me, he'll make the things I write on my paper look small and insignificant. how big is God? Let's pray. Lord, there's lots of whispers in our mind. I hear myself from time to time. And so, Lord, like a roaring lion, I pray you would show us what you want us to know today, that you would speak to us clearly what it is that you're saying to us today and that we would say, Lord, if you said it, then you're going to do it and I'm ready to go. And Lord, some of us though may have been beaten down to the point where we just can't see how big you are. And so, Lord, I pray during this time of commitment and invitation that you would just draw back the curtains of our mind and show us just how big you are and that we would run, run to accomplish what it is that you're calling us to. Speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.